never, ever, ever loses its power to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to make whole. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. That blood that was the purchase price of our redemption. That through the blood you redeemed our life from all destruction. You purchased our life back out of the slavery of sin and the dominance and destruction that it would bring. And you brought us and purchased our life that we might step into our eternal destiny. Fellowship with our heavenly Father. Jesus, we thank you. That in your blood shed, a revelation of the greatest love ever exhibited was displayed on the cross that day. That God so loved us that he gave you. And you accepted that call to give your life for us. Holy Spirit, help us, strengthen us, teach us that we would never tread underfoot the blood that we would never call the blood a common thing and act as if it didn't purchase our eternal redemption act as if it didn't break the power of sin over our life but they would recognize you gave your life to set us free that we might have life and have life more abundantly We thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation tonight. To begin to pull back the veil in different areas of our life that we might see more clearly through revelation who you are. To have a revelation of what it means to have you be the Christ, the anointed one in our life, Lord of all. What it means for you to be our healer, our deliverer, the one who makes us free. As we see all that you are and all that you've done, we begin to find ourselves in you. We begin to find the very destiny for our life and the fullness of it. So we thank you for revelation knowledge. In that, we ask you for doors of utterance to be open to speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. As we hear not only with natural ears, but the ears that our spirit will pick up, you are able to teach us and to guide us, to open up paths for us to walk in that are lit by your word and given us direction by your spirit. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life. We thank you for the anointing being upon the teachers in Awana right now. Those children will receive the word of God that will plant in their heart. They'll know it. They'll remember it. They'll be raised in those things in the knowledge of your word. We thank you for the anointing resting upon the youth ministers, as they go to their meeting, they begin to learn and to see and to know how important they are to this generation and being lights to those around them, to know what it means to be a son and a daughter of God in this generation and how important the day that you've called them to is. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to every heart and every life. We pray over this cloth right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for supernatural, miracle-working, healing power to saturate this cloth. It'll bring supernatural healing and recovery to her body. We thank you, Lord. According to Acts, the 19th chapter, 
on the basis of the blood that you shed for us. We thank you for restoration and healing. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet three or four or five people around you? Hug their neck, tell them that you're glad that they're here. Youth, we're glad that you're here, and you can be dismissed to your meeting. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a great day to be alive. I encourage you that throughout your week and uh, uh, throughout the day in the week that you uh, continue to encourage yourself that really this is a great time to be alive and that God is able to perform that which he promised. And so as you're holding on to promises from God and the enemy is trying to to work against that, that you stand strong and strengthen yourself in faith by praising him and acknowledging that he is really able to do everything that he has promised in his word, that his promise to you is not, yes, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe God doesn't want me to have that. Maybe, well, if if it's something God hasn't promised you, well, maybe you got to wonder about that. But every promise that God has made humanity, every promise that God has made man in Christ Jesus, he settled it. It's not yes and no. It's yes and so be it. Yes and so be it. And so finding our place in Christ, having that revelation of who Jesus is and how we're engrafted into him is vitally important. You know, when we were singing that song, Nothing But the Blood, You know, the Bible tells us, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about healing tonight. Uh, uh, But, you know, the Bible tells us that we've been bought at a price. Now, contextually, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, it it says, really, this is talking about sexual immorality. He says, what are you doing? Giving your body over uh, to sexual immorality. Do you not know that your body doesn't belong to you? You've been bought with a price. The price of the precious blood of Jesus. He also tells us in Romans chapter uh, 12, he says, give your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That is your reasonable service, my reasonable service of worship. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 6 that if we understand that when God raised from, when Jesus raised from the dead, we raised with him to a newness of life so that sin no longer has dominion over us. And so since we're not under the law, we're under grace. He says, so think about it. Don't lend your body or your members once again over to sin to enslave you, but give your members or your body over to righteousness so that righteousness will rule you. Say, so where are you going with this, pastor? That your body's not your own. The blood of Jesus purchased your body. If your body is his then he doesn't want it broke down. He doesn't want it sick and ailing. He has a plan. He bought it. He engrafted it into himself. So healing belongs to you, not just spiritual regeneration at the new birth, 
but he purchased your body. Your body's not your own. And so really to, to come to that understanding a little bit that, you know, what we do with our body every day is important to know that really what we do is under his lordship, it's not really under our, our, our design, our desire, but under his lordship, where we go, what we do with that. And so, uh, you know, as we understand, you know, we get up and go to work, we're, we're really going and uh, we're listening. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Right? So that we understand, we begin to understand that he's not just savior. He didn't just save us from sin so we can get to go to heaven. But really what we did is we said, you are Lord of my life. You're the master of my life. So we let him have mastery over our spirit, man. We have, let him have mastery over our emotions and our thinking. We let him have mastery over our body. Then spirit, soul, and body, he redeemed us with his blood, spirit, soul, and body. When we understand that price that was paid, that we are no longer our own, right? So certainly we understand this. I can think whatever I want to think. But all of a sudden when you come under his lordship, you say, no, I'm not going to think whatever I want to think. I'm going to get into the word and think what you have for me to think. I'm going to do what you have for me to do, right? And I'm going to build up my inner man so that I can walk in those things. Amen? And so, you know, nothing but the blood. He purchased our life. Spirit, soul, and body. He purchased us by his blood. He died to give us life and life to the overflow. Amen? And so there's so many promises in there for you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. So many promises within what Christ did that God promised us for abundant life. And so just throughout the week, encourage yourself, right? It's good to have people encourage you, but encourage yourself. When the enemy comes and tries to, to weaken you, just say, listen, I know this. I'm going to magnify God. I'm going to raise my hand, knowing that he is well able to perform everything that he has promised. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I got a couple of announcements uh, before we get into the word. Uh, don't forget, next uh, Sunday night, uh, Muhammad Amin Faridi is going to be with us, and uh, he's going to just give a testimony here. I believe it's going to, he's just going to share the gospel, his testimony, what he's done. So bring somebody, uh, come. It's going to be a great time. Two weeks from then, I think it's two weeks, maybe three weeks, then Harry Wilson is going to be with us. He's a missionary in Guatemala, and so uh, we have some uh, people coming that are going to share some things because we're called not only to this valley, but uh, this region. We have our churches around this region and into the world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So come out, hear those that are going into the world and know what part we have in that. Uh, because some are going, some are sending. Uh, it's, a, it's a number of different things. So come out and hear them. If you weren't here this morning, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, if you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you're giving by text, the number's up there. Um, you can send by mail. And um, if you're watching online, you can send by mail or you can go to our website, push the giving tab, uh, we're so uh, grateful and thankful for your generosity, what God is doing in this place and around the world. And uh, you have seed really in so many different parts of the world, and people are getting saved. And so, you know, I'm excited. Certainly, uh, as we met uh, Amin, they, they call him Amin, as we met him, uh, we were stirred just at his story and what's going on. But through Messenger International for a number of years as a church, we have seed in Iran and Iraq through uh, giving to all the resources that they're giving out there. And so because we don't have or haven't had many missionaries in those countries of the world, I, I just got stirred. God always makes divine connections. 
And so to know that you have seed in an area and then you start hearing reports of what God is doing, you know that your seed in that area is producing fruit, souls into the kingdom of God. Amen. And so uh, you have some seed. Whether you know it or not, you have some seed there. And so uh, you've traveled by your seed in so many parts of the world. So just be prepared. I know this sounds redundant, but be prepared. You know, don't, don't think you're going to go quickly, but when you go to heaven. People from all over the world are going to come and thank you because, you know, in the spirit, then there won't be like a, they'll know. Come and thank you for giving into the gospel. You say, I didn't, I didn't even know you. And they'll say, yeah, but you gave. And uh, we heard the gospel because you gave and we got saved. And so it just goes farther than today. It goes farther than just dropping it in the bucket. Uh, God does supernatural things with our resources. And if he can find a sower... He'll give seed to a sower. Amen? And bread for food. And then he'll multiply the seed that you've sown. Amen. Increase your generosity. It's a good thing. Praise the Lord. You guys all ready? All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. What a blessing. What a privilege. Have an opportunity to enter into relationship with you in our giving and receiving. We know your promises. They do have yes and amen. You said in your word you'd supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That you would make all grace, all grace abound towards us in everything. That we'd have a sufficiency in every area of our life and able to distribute or dispense from that fullness to others with great generosity. So we thank you for the blessing of the word of God coming upon each and every one. We thank you for the opportunity to involve ourselves with you in covenant relationship through giving and receiving. We give you praise and glory for the results in each and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Go and pass those buckets. Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians, the third chapter. I want to just uh, share a few things for a few moments tonight. And uh, I know that's always a dangerous statement, getting your hopes up when I say a few moments. Um, we'll just see how it goes, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Many of you have been coming for any length of time or aware of this scripture or this prayer of Paul. Uh, but bear with me, and we're going to go somewhere uh, concerning healing tonight. And when we talk about healing, certainly we are... Uh, are, are, are major focus would be upon the physical body, but he wants to heal so many parts of our life. He wants to heal emotionally things that have been damaged in our life. He wants to really heal marriages and relationships that take place. So faith in any, any area, but uh, if we can grab a hold of that, because, you know, in those areas, they can come and go, you know, as parts here, but in, in our physical body where there's something going on, uh, you know, we, we look to that on a regular basis. Has it changed, you know? And uh, if it hasn't changed, the enemy just tries to beat us down just a little bit. And so here in this uh, uh, verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. And I have to be careful tonight because I could jump off on any one of these and just go, whoo, praise the Lord. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, 
Come on, that's a big one. When Christ dwells in our heart through faith. How many of you believe in Jesus? Right? So when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Spirit of God, Jesus, by the Spirit, came to dwell in your heart through faith. He says that through that being him dwelling in your heart through faith, that there's a rooting and a grounding. There's an establishing of our hearts in love. Verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Highlight that, underline that if you haven't already, to know, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Now, you know, uh, Paul often makes statements like this, well, how am I supposed to know something that goes beyond knowledge? Because he's talking about you can know something. You can educate your mind to something. You can educate your soul to something. But he wants you to know in your knower. He wants you to know deep down in your spirit, man, and experience from within the love of Christ. Because in your soul, you experience or you know human love, which is, man, I love you because of what you do for me. I get around you, you make me feel good. I just love you. But when you don't make me feel good, I'm not sure if I love you. And so when we, we dwell or we live in that place of the knowledge that only can be grasped with our head, with our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, when we live in that place, we never go deeper, we never seek to understand the love of Christ, then we begin to doubt God. Because every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just saying. I know that you're righteous, we've been made righteous, but we've all fallen short somewhere. So the enemy comes to that and says, listen, you know what, you didn't, you didn't pray today, you didn't give your attention to God today, so because you're not really showing God love, maybe God doesn't love you. Maybe because you made a mistake, God doesn't love you. Because when we live on a human realm, that's what human love says. As long as you're making me feel good, as long as you're making, doing something for me, I endear myself, I want to do something back. But the moment you're not really doing it for me, I'm not sure I really love you now. And that ends up translating too often in a believer's life that maybe, I know God does, I, I've read it here, but again, we start grappling emotionally and mentally. Oh, I know God loves me, but down deeper in your soul, you're saying, I don't know because I haven't done everything right. Maybe he doesn't. Or we understand that, you know, and I'm not really loving people because they don't really do it for me. Well, maybe if I'm not doing it for God, he's not really loving me. I'm not really extending myself to that person because they're really not my, you know, cup of tea, then maybe God's not extending himself towards me because maybe I'm not his cup of tea, but I know he loves me. But he says when you know the love of Christ, when it goes past all of that stuff and it drops down inside of you, the love of Christ that goes beyond just your natural thinking, that true understanding of unconditional love, that it wasn't anything you could have done, anything you could have earned, anything you could have said right, that God looked down and saw us trapped in our sin and the destruction of it and said, I can't stand them being apart from me anymore. I've got to satisfy my love for them and send Jesus to die for them, regardless of what they do or even if they accept it after he's come and gone, I love you.
Come on. There's something in this that I want to share with you tonight that I might not do very good, and I'm just kind of excited about it and intense, so I'm not mad, so don't. Like, I know if we're talking about love, I should really be kind of <laughs> loving, and I am. I've just been meditating on this and, and, and grabbed a hold of something, and Pastor Tasha just keeps saying it and keeps saying it when we sing a song, and finally, it just like God said, are you going to do something about this? Because every time she says it, she'll come up after that song, and she says, don't you just love that song that we sing where it says he heals because he loves? He heals because he loves. And every time she says that, I'm like, yes. He says, what are you going to do about that? Because my people are trying to get healed. And they're trying to figure out what's wrong. And they're trying to, 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 to earn it. And they're trying to get enough faith to do it. And certainly we understand that, you know, you extend faith and you do all those things. But there's a place where we begin to realize he heals because he loves. And if we could just start getting it. And there's something we're supposed to reflect, but, you know, too often we're, we're trying to know if Jesus loves us by the Christians around us. And then we start to give up on God because we've given up on believers who fall short. And we get, the enemy just gets us all skewed. And he'll try to get us off of his love. And the knowledge of his love and that his love is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit so that we stop loving like he loves and we get ourselves disconnected. Because of what somebody else has done. <laughs> and the enemy starts to work backwards from that. So to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now listen, there's not too much room for anything or anybody else. If you're filled... With the fullness of God. So there's something that we're not understanding or we're not looking at. Again, understand what I'm saying. I'm just trying to bring something to us. Uh, it just seems like there's heightened emotion right now. Um, <laughs> when you go on like, man, I feel empty today. If you feel empty today, then you're not knowing the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Because once all of a sudden we get the knowledge that he loves me so much, I don't feel empty because I realize I'm filled with all the fullness of God. Everything that he is and everything that he has, he's poured into me by his spirit. Right, so I, have to, I just have to cross this place, you know, because every time I think about all of God, everything that he is and everything that he has is here. I always remember watching Aladdin with my little kids, right? And Aladdin is so amazed at the genie, and the genie's discontented with who he is. And Aladdin says, why are you discontented with who you are? And the genie blows up really big. <sighs> all this cosmic power in the lamp, in this itty bitty living space. 
Come on, we think about all the fullness of God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. The spirit that hovered over the face of the deep. The one God who created everything in this itty bitty living space. How in God's name, well, I know how, but just for sake of reference, how can we feel empty? There's so much there wanting to get out. And when we're prepared, all it takes is somebody to rub your lamp. I mean that in the right sense. <laughs> Come on, you've experienced it before, haven't you? You've experienced it before, Jonathan, when you're just going about your day, but you know, man, God's deposited something on the inside of me. And somebody starts to talk to you and they have a problem. And they start to just, you know, they're not asking, can you solve my problem? They're just communicating. All of a sudden, something that's in you from God starts to come out. Not something you planned. You didn't have your notes all written down. Just from the inside, it just starts coming out. It's the life of God. You didn't plan to love them. You didn't plan to share a life-transforming word with them. It just starts coming out. Why? Because they rubbed your lamp. But if somebody is rubbing your lamp and nothing's coming out, we got to come back to the love of God. Not do we have gifts to the Spirit working in us. Are we going to see an amazing thing happen? Because, again, we come back to the love of God. He lines out the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. And he said, without love, they really don't profit, benefit, or make us anything. It's really love that pulls it all together. So we get, we get our thoughts, and none of it's wrong. We get our thoughts on the power of God. And we get our, uh, do we have enough faith? And are we going to see the power of God? Are we going to see the manifestation of God? And all of a sudden, just really simply, love starts to fade away, and it becomes about me and what I'm going to see and what's going to happen when I'm around instead of just basking in the love of God. And as we do, we re-energize our tank. One of the things about praying in the Holy Spirit is bypassing the emotion of the day and the thoughts of the day and just bypassing and beginning to pray out and edify and build yourself back up to where you know, man, we're topping the tank off right now. We're just praying in the spirit. We're topping the tank. Oh, there we are. There we are. We're getting right back into fellowship with God. Right there we are praising God in, in tongues, in the spirit. There we are just praying, not what we know, but what God knows. Whoop, now we feel, wow, now we're topped off. We're ready to go again. Somebody can rub my lamp and something will come out. That we may be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. The love of God is the most powerful force in the universe. The love of God is the most powerful force in the universe. God so loved you and I that after he sent Jesus for to the cross, he raised him from the dead. That's my belief. I can't totally prove it. You can't disprove it. But no greater power was ever released than when God raised, raised Jesus from the dead. In all of this creation, God said light be and light was. Because there was nothing standing against the power of his word. But all of hell 
was trying to keep Jesus in the grave. They were counting on it. They were holding on. But they couldn't do it. And really, it wasn't that big of a problem for God because he has such mighty power. But he raised Jesus from the dead because he loved us. And so to understand this love of God, just stay with me, to understand this love of God and embrace this love of God to the extent that he would love us to embrace it, to know it, means we open the door for God to do things in great excess. Right? Doesn't it just say that? Now. Now that we, have, we know the love of God that passes knowledge. Now that we know the love of God that passes knowledge, we're filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him, God, who is able. Now, after we have the knowledge of the love of God, the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length, we're not depending on what we can know. We're depending upon what's dropped in our spirit and been shed abroad in our spirit by the Holy Spirit of God when he moved on the inside. We're depending upon that, not our emotions, not our thinking, but knowing the love of Christ, knowing that we're filled with the fullness of God. He said, now unto him who's able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, hope, dream, or think says the love of God will break forth in excess. Come on. There's just something about this love of God. Well, I don't know if I have enough faith. Or I'm really upset because somebody told me if I had enough faith, I would have been healed by now. Or somebody didn't say anything. That's just a strategy of the enemy. Thank God for faith. But Galatians 5, 6 says that we're not looking at what we've done. He says circumcision availeth nothing or uncircumcision doesn't avail anything. But faith that worketh by love. Faith that worketh by love. There it's connected again. We're trying to get our faith going about uh, things that we need, things that we have. But he says really true faith worketh by love. Because when you know the love of Christ, it's really not hard to believe him. See, so many people have let you down. Now, if you've been blessed, not many people have let you down. And probably, you know, just for one-upsmanship, most of us have been let down more than we know. Because once somebody's been let down, we also have been let down. And we've probably been let down more than you've been let down. And so, but you could, you could argue with that. But anyway, I digress. The enemy brings people that we thought we could count on to let us down, so we begin to process, and if we're not careful, we begin to think that God could let us down. People that we thought loved us didn't display love. They ended up getting selfish, and it hurt us, and so we begin to think. Even so, in the church, you know, people of God, then we begin to think, well, then God let me down. We would never say that, but the enemy's working something deeper in us to doubt the love of God. But because he heals us, because he loves. Not because we did everything right. Not because we didn't do everything right. He heals because he loves. We begin to look at that and know and, and understand that God really wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Turn over to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. 
Somebody say the Lord is good. Praise the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Says this, it says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. The NIV says it, or the NLT says it like this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Each morning. Great is his faithfulness. His compassion, his love never, ever fails. What does it mean? It says it never fails. It never ceases being. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 says, love never fails. So again, in our human uh, uh, analogy of that, we think, well, if love never fails, because our, our understanding of fails is if love never fails, if I love you, you'll love me back, and it, everything will be okay. Listen, Jesus loved the world, and people still reject him. What it literally means is the love of God never ceases being. The love of God never ceases being. You cannot get God to not love you. If he loved you when you were dead in your trespass and sin, now that you're a son and a daughter, why do you think you could get him to not love you? He loves you so much. And he heals simply because he loves. That's what he does. That's who he is. We see time and time again, really in the, the New Testament, uh, as we begin to see some things, which hmm, I did see some things. I folded this in the wrong place. Praise the Lord. That we understand that really from the New Testament perspective, mercy and compassion are basically an interchangeable word. I think the word is ileal. Mercy, compassionate mercies, it just continues to move. So we see time and time again the woman with the issue of blood, the woman cried out to have mercy. The blind people cried out for God to have mercy on them. And certainly in that mercy, we think about mercy and forgiveness. And God said, you know, he'll forgive us. But we get to thinking, well, we're forgiven. And so we stop thinking about mercy. But the Bible tells us that we come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace. We come to the very place of God to obtain from his mercies and his compassion upon us. We begin to see and recognize the blood of Jesus right there on the mercy seat where mercy triumphs over judgment. And my God, if we find and come to that place of the blood and realize, judgment belong to us the judgment is there but on top of that judgment is the blood of Jesus and mercy is extended towards us we begin to understand the power of God's love in sending Jesus for us that it purchased our life from destruction we begin to see so many things and so Jesus when we talk about healing his power which we want to see Power released. When am I going to see that power? When am I going to see healing power? 
one aspect of it. We've talked about faith. We've talked about things. This is just one aspect, as I said, and certainly we're not going to tackle it all tonight just in its fullness. But that song and, you know, just sitting there, every time Tasha would get up, I love that. I, I just love that. Don't you love that place in that song? Don't you just love that place? He heals because he loves. He heals because he loves. And I'm just sitting there going, yep, yep, that's good. That, that is good. You're right. Amen. Amen. That's right. Just started working on the inside of me. I heal because I love. I heal because I love. Turn over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Now, again, for the most part, I know that you are educated, if you will, or you've seen the Word of God in these scriptures. I'm just asking you to open your heart tonight for God to give you maybe just a little bit different revelation and understanding so that maybe it'll just open up that area to know the love of Christ in a greater measure. To go beyond head knowledge, emotional knowledge, even, I've been a Christian for a long time, don't tell me about the love of God, but to go deeper. Because in that, something will be released that's life-changing. Because if we're filled with all the fullness of God, there's not room for something that's not God in our life, in our thoughts, in our emotion, in our body. We know that he loved us that much. And so here in verse 40, it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. I believe something, if you've gone to Bible school, you know this, because we talk about this in healing. He came to Jesus, and Jesus is about to, to be stirred by what this guy said, but just think about it as a parent, just for a moment. You know, we're, we're kind of on the other end of the fence. If our, if our kids get sick or something, you know, they'll come and go, Mom and Dad, I knew if you, if you could do, I know you want to, but I know you're not able to. I know you can't do that, but I know you want to help me. I know if you could, you'd make me better. That's not what this guy said. Just imagine your child coming to you and saying, I know you can make me better. I just don't know if you want to. See, this leper came to Jesus and he said, I know that you can make me better. I just don't know if you want to. He said, I might have messed up too big. You might not love me enough to do what I know you can do. I just don't know if you want to. Sometimes we start to look at that and we have something going on in our body and we're like, you know what, I know God can. I, I, don't, I don't disbelieve God can. I just don't know why he's not and I'm not sure if I, I messed something up too bad. I don't know if this is him trying to teach me something. I don't, I'm not sure. But listen to what Jesus did here. He came to him, and he knelt down. He said to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Now, in this particular instance, he wasn't moved by this guy's faith. See, there's a place where he said, your faith has made you whole. But right here, this guy said, I don't know if you want to heal me. 
I don't know if you love me. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved by the love that was in him for this leper. And he said, I am willing. Be thou whole. He was moved with compassion. He didn't heal that guy because that guy worked on his faith so much. He healed because he loved him. Heal because he loved him. Turn over to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says, When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Come on, he went out and saw the multitude. And what happened? He loved them. He loved them. The disciples weren't quite there yet. (laughs) They were always a little bothered by the multitude. But Jesus looked out and he saw the multitude. And he was moved with compassion. And when he loved them, moved with compassion, what did he do? He healed them. Heals because he loves. He heals because he loves. God bless you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Here, this is Matthew records this as uh, two blind men. Mark, uh, we see him talking about blind Bartimaeus. So as they were crying out to Jesus for mercy, we'll just start here in verse 29. Matthew 20, verse 29. It says, now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. The multitude warned them that they should not that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. I mean, literally, if you put the words together, they were saying, Have compassion on us. Have compassion on us. So Jesus stood still, and he called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion And touch their eyes. Listen, they said, would you have mercy or compassion on us? And Jesus heard that cry. And he said, what do you want? They said, to receive our sight. And he had compassion. He was moved. He touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. He healed because he loved them. He healed because he loved them. Turn over to Luke chapter 7. I know I'm saying this a lot, and I'm going to until we finish tonight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I want you to walk out of here and all week long say, he heals me because he loves me. You may have your daily confession and stay with it. You may be building your faith through meditating on scriptures about his healing. 
But maybe you want to change and start meditating concerning his love for you. I'm not saying do away with that. But I want this to ring in your ear. He heals me because he loves me. Not because of everything I've done or not done. What other people have done to me or not done to me. That's not what's motivating him. Oh, poor me. People have been mean to me. Oh, I I didn't do it right. God, no, he heals you because he loves you. He loves you. Luke chapter 7. Verse 12, it says, And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and he touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still, (laughs) I would guess. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he, was, he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Whew. Come on, Jesus is walking by. And he released dead-raising power. Not because this mom was so up on her faith. Because was, this was her only son. And he loved her. And released dead-raising power. Why? Because he loved her. He heals because he loves. Turn over to Matthew. Got a couple scriptures here. One story. We're going to show the impact. Matthew chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Just a minute. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 5. Sorry. This is the the demoniac and... uh, He just got uh, delivered, and he wanted to come with Jesus. Verse 19, it says, And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. He said, Go home and tell everybody that you're whole because the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. And he departed and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Everyone marveled. And so, back at Matthew. Chapter 15. Starting in verse 29, Jesus has just healed the woman who came for her daughter, Syrophoenician woman, and it says, Jesus, verse 29, Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then a great multitude came to him, having 
with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So now, wait a minute. There was nothing there about compassion. Turn over to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. This is his, his same account, and he gets a little bit more specific. But verse 31 of Mark chapter 7, it says, And again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis. Are you all tracking with me? We're just going to stop there. Same story. It doesn't say it in Matthew. But what it says in Matthew is it says, when he departed there, he skirted the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Where? At Decapolis. Then great multitudes came, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others, and laid them down at Jesus' feet. We know by Mark chapter 7 that there was also a deaf man that Jesus spit on his finger, put his finger in his ear, and the man came away hearing... And speaking, the mute heard. Where? In Decapolis. Why? Because this demon, this, this demon-possessed man who Jesus loved so much that he broke every bond and he delivered them, went home to Decapolis and did what? Testified of how much the Lord loved him. And they heard how much the Lord loved him. And when he came to Decapolis, they came to the Lord who loved them. And he healed their maimed, their broken, their deaf, their mute. Why? Because the testimony of how much he loved them went throughout Decapolis. And when he showed up, they said, this is the Lord who loves us. And if he loved that demoniac, then he must love us. There's so many things that we could look at. So many things that we could understand, but any of them we understand, growing our faith, building, looking to the power of God to be released. When's it going to happen for me? If we forget, first and foremost, to look and understand, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Because we begin to meditate on the love of God and know but listen, I can exert my faith, but if I'm exerting my faith outside of love, it's not going to do near. Why do I believe that he wants to heal me? Because I know he loves me. Why do I believe that? Because he redeemed my life from destruction. He paid for this body by his own precious blood. He laid over that whipping post, and his body was reduced to hamburger. So that he could declare to me that by his stripes and the blood that he shed when he took those stripes, he purchased my healing, my physical healing. So that when I believe that he loved me that much, not that I earned him laying over the whipping post, not that because so much has happened wrong to me or so much has happened right to me. So many people have hurt me, so I deserve something from God. So I've done so many good things, so God surely knows that I have faith. 
No, he did it because he loves us. When we know that he did all that he did out of love, we begin to see then, man, you love me so much. You love me so much. And we begin to call on the mercy of God. God, I know you love me. I know you know what's going on in my body. I know you took my infirmity and you bore my sicknesses. Why did you do that? Because you love me. I know you took stripes upon your back so my body could be healed because you love me. I know that you so loved me, God, that you gave your only begotten son. That when I put my belief, my total trust in him, he saves me, heals me, delivers me, sets me free and makes me whole. The love of God that passes knowledge. To dive in and say, I want to know the depth and the breadth and the height and the length of your love. I want to go beyond my human understanding and my human emotion. I want to experience down deep on the inside that cleansing, that washing. Come on, there's things that we know that we struggle with, not to just kind of get common or get psychological, but we can say, yeah, 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 I'm forgiven. But on the inside, you're still struggling with forgiveness, what you've done. He says that love of God washes over that. He moved on the inside. It'll wash that away. So knowing the love of Christ up here causes us to still not know, well, yeah, I know he's, he's supposed to forgive me. Yeah, I know he did. But you don't forgive yourself. Listen, if he forgave you, you don't forgive yourself. That's really kind of messed up. I mean, he's the one that He's the one that went to the cross because of your sin. So if he loves you, if he forgives you, then let go of it. When you do let go of it, that's really where you experience a flood, where you've been holding that, where you've been saying, oh, yeah, but I did this. Oh, yeah, I feel bad about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just, I'm, I feel so guilty. I, shame. People have made me feel bad. People, just let go. When you vacate that, the love of God rushes in. When the love of God rushes in, that stuff can't come back in because there's no space for it. We get the mental gymnastics. We got to get past the mental gymnastics, the soulish gymnastics, and just embrace stuff and let it drop down into our knower. That we can truly say, with all revelation, I know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And I believe that there's a part of that, not abandoning faith because faith worketh by love. It's part of that believing, but knowing there's people in here right now that if you begin to embrace this and meditate on it, God's going to fill a space and healing is going to begin tonight working in your body. Amen. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Holy Spirit, seriously to do what only you can do.